great are you, Lord. We thank you. Father, we thank you for this day, for every blessing that you prepared for us in this day. We thank you for the people of God who have given your name praise this morning, who have brought you into their presence through that praise. And God, we thank you for the blessing that you've given us. We thank you now, God, for hearts and minds that are turned toward you. Open our spirit and our understanding so that we can hear your word, understand that word, and do your word. We pray that you would bless those who are speaking your word around the world this morning. Add a blessing to their words in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. This morning we're still uh, in shut-in mode, but we still want to bring you the gospel. So wherever you are today, get your Bible and turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I want to begin reading. Now we'll read probably a lot of this, but I want to begin reading at verse uh, let's go to verse 14. Bible says, for the love of Christ compels us because we judge thus. If one died for all, then all died. And he died for all that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. So I want to give you this thought this morning, and I hope that I'll reach some people uh, who are, uh, I like to use the word disgruntled, but there's no such word as gruntle, so. <laughs> so uh, those people who are having a little rough time with church, here's your title today. You can make a comeback. You can make a comeback. Amen. Now, let me tell you this. Last week, we told you several things, but I want to give you some definitions we gave you last week, and I just want to kind of keep them in the forefront of your mind as we go through today's lesson. We talked to you about justification, and you'll recall that we said that justification is uh, given on the basis of what Christ did on the cross. In other words, the Bible says it, it's an acquittal. It sets us free. So the Bible says if we've been justified, it's because we received the work that Jesus did on the cross. Then we gave you the term uh, peace. We said that peace with God means that the rebellion against God is no longer within the heart. In other words, the war is over. We're not fighting, or as I like to ask you, 
Why are you mad? Who are you mad with? So there's no reason for us to be upset because we have peace with God. Then I gave you another uh, term. It's called pride. You may recall I gave you a definition for pride. It's an exaggerated respect for self. In other words, uh, I think more highly of myself, and yet you don't think as highly of me as I think you ought to think of me. And you understand what I'm saying? So it's an exaggerated respect for self. Uh, now, I also told you that James chapter 4, verse 7 said that God resists the proud. But then I also gave you one more uh, definition. It's called uh, self-centeredness. We call this egocentricness. And here's what the Bible says about that. It is interest primarily in oneself and an indifference to the concerns of others. That means that you want to do your thing your way without any consideration for how it affects anybody else. Amen. Am I talking to anybody yet? We're getting there. Amen. I said this leads to a disorder that's called egocentric predicament. This causes us to interpret the thoughts and the actions of others only through our own experiences. So what we found out is that we, as a people, need to be reconciled back to God. And the reason that we need this is because for many years, as Christians, as Christians, we have been at war with God. Even though God has made peace with us, we are still at war with him. So today, I want to take it just one step further. And I want to tell you this today, that we're going to be talking to a lot of you out there today that at the end of this service, we're going to pray for you. I cannot, I cannot force anyone to repent. But what I can do is I can agree with you in prayer that you might need to change. So if I can convince you today in the next 30 or 40 minutes that you need to change, at the end of service, I'm going to pray for you, and I'm asking you to agree with me with this prayer. And if you do so, I believe that God's going to change the circumstances. What I mean is he's going to change your outlook, your viewpoint. And this is what you need to be mindful of. Uh, you can fight with God, but you can't win. So the best thing to do is to change how you feel about that relationship. Amen? So Paul here he proclaims to us that we are a new creation. The creation, the word here, kistus, means to, to make from the beginning. And, and the Bible says in Christ, then, that believers are not only changed from within, but they are a whole new order of creation. Now, this same energy the Bible talks about is the energy that was used in Genesis chapter 1 when God spoke and brought wor the world into existence. But in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6, it says, For it is God, the same God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, who has shone in our hearts to give the light of knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So the Bible says that this, 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 this ability for God to create something new has been there from the beginning. So he didn't make a, a quote, uh, a different kind of you. But he made a new you, which means that he, he didn't use the old stuff. <laughs> but he made everything new. God is the only one who can create. Yeah, so he, he created something new. 
The Bible teaches us here that uh, uh, the person is a new creation. And, and it also says this, that this, this, this believer is changed from within. So it's not something that, that affects my outside. Now, all of these people that we talk about today that uh, standing in the need of prayer are people who are ha or have been affected outwardly. They have had a problem with another flesh and blood kind of person. And the only way that can be fixed is from within, not from without. Because the Bible is very clear. We don't wrestle with flesh and blood. Amen. So the Bible says here. It's not a superficial change uh, that will be superseded quickly. It says that it's an entirely new order of creation under Christ's authority. Now, let me let me go one step further and say this. The creation of the church is a new creation. In other words, it is a a body of believers. Who were lost, but now saved who are building the kingdom of God here on earth. Now, this body is unlike anything that's ever been. So it's a new body. That's why he calls it the new covenant that he brought forth in his blood, which means his shed blood is responsible for this, quote, new creation. So it's entirely new. Amen? So the Bible goes on to teach us this. He said, because of this, because we are a new creation, because we are new people, we can't look at things the same way anymore. Oh, and see, this is a problem for most normal folk. When I say normal, not to say that, you know, some of you may be abnormal, but the fact of the matter is that there are some people who see things, you know, some people see things a little different and they see it differently based on on their own feelings and their own socialization and their own training and understanding. But the Bible says, let me let me let me just can I just go off for just a minute and tell you something. If you can remember this, it's going to help you in your Christian walk. When you get ready to fight the devil, remember this, not N-O-T. What does that mean, Pastor? It means no original thought. The devil has no new tricks. He does not have any original thoughts. What the devil does is takes the things that God has perfected. He perverts them and makes you think it's a new thought. So every time you you come up with something that that says, you know what? I know what the Bible says, but that means that you're creating a new thought. Now, I, again, I said that was a side road, so I want to make sure you understand that uh, I'm going to cover this somewhere else, probably the next week or so. But in Galatians chapter 5, you see the Bible talks about the, the works of the flesh in comparison to the fruit of the spirit. The works of the flesh, the Bible says, are evident. No original thought. Everything listed there, nobody has to explain it to you. <laughs> Amen. And yet, when the Bible says, watch this now, when you get to the fruit of the Spirit, everybody's got to explain it to you. 
We've been talking about love since the world began. And here we are in 2020 and nobody still understands how to love. But that's a lesson for another time. Let me go back. Amen. That's why you have to stay tuned. Because you never know what's coming. <laughs> now, the Bible says we can't regard anybody from a worldly view any longer because we have, we're a new creation. We've been born again. So we can't look at things the way people used to look at them, uh, uh, even in the church. We can't look at saints the way that we once looked at them because the Bible says that uh, we walk by faith and not by sight, not what we see. So it's about what we understand that's working in us. For example, let's make sure that we understand that all of our thoughts are the, of the Holy Spirit's leading, not how our bodies feel, because what we feel is going to make us do something wrong. You're going to respond to something that's external rather than responding to something that's internal. Amen. So the Bible says we don't judge them by what we see. Now, if we judge Christ that way, then the Bible would teach us very clearly that we would have missed him because the Bible says if we had known, we wouldn't have crucified him. But by the same token, if your worldview is that of uh, the carnal person, you will see Jesus as an idealistic carpenter who was killed by some wicked men. And that would be the end of the story. And that's the story that a lot of people are carrying with them. So the Bible says you must learn to look at your brothers and sisters with the eye of faith. We have to affirm that in Christ we are new creations. So the old is gone and the new has come. Now, he said here the word to regard, no longer regard. So with the word regard uh, has uh, two Greek words that make up that word. The first one is weda, O-I-D-A. And it means to know, to see with the mind's eye. I know because I've seen. You know how we say something. Uh, we see stuff and then we really don't know what we saw. But the other word, the other word is gnosto. And it means to know by observation. Both Weda and Gnosto, when they use a people, uh, they mean, it means to have knowledge of, to be acquainted with. So Weda means to have knowledge of, and Gnosto uh, means to be acquainted with. So here's what it means literally. It means to have enough knowledge to form an opinion or estimate. Now, if I don't know, the Bible says you shall know the truth. If I don't know, I can't form an accurate opinion. Amen. So Paul says that when he first met Jesus, he based his opinion on his flesh rather than the spirit. Amen. And the Bible says that uh, 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 he had to change that opinion. And what he found out is that he couldn't judge Jesus by worldly standards and be correct. So the Bible says that if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation, which brings us to another term in Christ. So that means to be united to Christ by faith or to be, uh, the Bible says, uh, 
the same in him as the branches to the vine. So we are connected and we derive our source from him. We derive our nourishment from him and our strength from him. Amen. We are connected in such a way that everything flows from him. All things come of thee, O Lord. Amen. So the Bible says this in John chapter 15. It says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. And then, you know, you can read the rest of the verses. But here's what he says in verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. If I have that kind of close relationship with Christ, then I can ask what I need and it shall be given to me. Now, I always tell you this. Be careful what you ask for. Ah. Now, listen, listen, it's like it's like asking God for a brand new Rolls Royce. And then he gives it to you. Now, what you going to do? You can't pay the tax on it. You can't get it serviced. You can barely drive it. And you look kind of foolish driving your own Rolls Royce anyway. And you can't afford a chauffeur. So be careful what you ask for. But if you ask God for a car, he will give you a car that you can pay for, service, keep it running. Amen. But one is being led by the spirit of God, you know, and the other is you just. I had to watch my words. Plain. Whatever you want to fill in the blank. Amen. So the Bible says this. All who become true Christians undergo such a change that their views and their feelings make them say they are new creatures. Now, here's what we say. This is how we say it. I don't do that anymore. I don't go there anymore. I don't drink that anymore. I don't smoke that anymore. Whatever your thing is, you're a new creation. We don't do that anymore. Amen. So the Bible says, and uh, no matter what you've done before, whether it's moral or immoral, whether it's, uh, uh, you were an infidel or you were smart or whether you're a nice person or debased or sensual, the Bible says if you become a Christian, all those experiences change to make it proper for us to say we are a new creation. This is why so many, so uh, a couple of weeks ago, I told you you need to be delivered from your past. Because even after you get saved, the tendency is for you to want to uh, be held back by what you think folk going to say about what you used to do. Amen. You know, and I've, I learned this the hard way. Uh, the easiest way to deal with your past is when folks accuse you of something, tell them, I did it. Just confess. Well, I remember when you, yep, I sure did. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and sometimes folks say, well, yeah, nah, I, yeah, I said, yeah, I did that twice. 
just go on. I mean, what you going to say after that? <laughs> Hallelujah. So the Bible says, he says that uh, we are no longer to measure men by human standards of race, natural gifts, uh, social standards, or possessions. That's why Galatians tells us this in Galatians 3.28, that in Christ there is neither, and you fill in, male nor female, Greek, okay? So here's what we say. The Bible says that when Paul had this encounter with Christ on the Damascus Road, Acts chapter 9, the Bible says that based on all his education and training, you know, he was studying under Gamaliel, and the Bible says he learned all of this stuff, but what he found out was, and some of us are like that with our understanding of who Christ is, what Paul found out is that because his opinion of Christ was wrong, then everything he did based on that opinion was also wrong. So Paul initially came to a false conclusion because the standards he used for his judgment were wrong. So if I have a false view of my brother or sister, then everything that pertains to them is going to be what? Wrong also. Amen? So, so, so here's what happens. Sometimes we get stuck in what we believe about a person. Are y'all with me? And when you get stuck there, it's hard to come back. Because what you're looking for is any indication that you were right. Not that the person has changed, but that you were right. <laughs> Amen. I know a lot of people say, well, no, no, Pastor, uh, it ain't like that. Yes, it is. It's exactly like that. And I know that uh, a lot of people feel that way, and we see it every day when we're trying to, uh, to, to establish reconciliation with people. We can't get past something. Y'all know what I'm talking about? You got one thing you can't get past. That's a stumbling block for me. That's a deal breaker. But pastor, they did so-and-so. Well, you know, uh, whatever the so-and-so is, you did something just as bad in the eyes of Christ. Amen? So you're going to hold them accountable when you're not liable. So let's go to another word here. <laughs> now, we talked to you about reconciliation last week. You remember that? Let's talk about it again. So the key here is, 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 is we need to understand what reconciliation really is because that's, this is what the message is about, bringing us back to one. The Bible says this. It says that because of rebellion, man was the enemy of God, and, and, and it was out of fellowship with him. The Bible teaches us that, that the carnal mind or the natural mind is enmity against God. And the Bible says it cannot be subject to God. So it's always your opinion above what God says. Amen. But then Christ came and his work on the cross, supposedly as, as we accept it, we get a new life and we change our opinion. Amen. So the word reconcile means to change thoroughly. It refers to a change relationship between God and his lost world, all right? But it also goes one step further. Reconciliation helps people who have been enemies become friends. So when the Bible says be reconciled, it means to become 
friends with that person who was at one time your enemy. Wow, this is hard, ain't it? So the Bible says we learn how to love God instead of being his enemy. So when this happens, the Bible says that this reconciliation means to restore friendship or to exchange or to change from enmity to friendship, to bring together. Why do you keep telling us all this stuff? Because I need to say it any kind of way that you can get it so it applies to your particular situation. The Bible teaches us this, uh, that the idea is that two people who should have been together all along are brought together. Now watch this. People who should have been together all along are brought together. This ain't got nothing to do with men and women or boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife. That's not what I'm talking about. What it means is that if you were called to the kingdom and I was called to the kingdom, we should have been together from the beginning. No matter what happened, we should have been together. Oh. It should always been us against them. Amen. But you know, when people come to church, they don't always like folk that are in church. So they might have been reconciled, as, as they say, reconciled to God, but not reconciled to man. Now watch, you cannot be reconciled to God and not be reconciled to God's people. Because God and his people are one. So then, if you are reconciled to God, then you need to understand that you are also reconciled to me. Which means that whatever was between us is the same as what was between you and God. And when God sent Jesus to die in our stead, then that thing that was between you and God was erased. And the thing that was between you and me was erased along with it. So when we came into the church, we came as a set, a match set. So it's Christ in me. You know what? If he is in me and he's in you and he's the same Christ, then you need to understand that we are one. Now, how do you hate yourself? You have a hard time getting along with you, don't you? Hmm? Now, let's show you one other term here in verse 19. The Bible uses this term. He says uh, that God was in Christ. We said in Christ. We told you that reconciling. We gave you that one. Uh, but he said imputing, uh, excuse me, not imputing their trespass. So the word imputation then is what we call a banking term. Banking, I mean, uh, imputation means to put to one's account. Now, in the words of Claire Huxtable, let the record show. So here's what happens. When I make a deposit, the bank then accredits that deposit to my account. So the record shows that I made a deposit. Amen? So when the Bible used the term imputation, uh, it means that God then treated Jesus as though he actually committed those sins. What does that mean? That means that he was guilty vicariously and because of that the Bible says he was acquitted when we were acquitted. 
Oh, y'all about to get this thing. So the Bible says then that God does not have to be reconciled to man because that was uh, uh, accomplished on the cross. But it's man who must be reconciled to God. Now, religion is man's pathetic attempt to be reconciled by works. That's why we do stuff. We do stuff to earn our way into heaven. I want to be good enough. I want to give enough. I want to serve enough. You don't have to do any of that. Even though if you are reconciled to God and you've been born again, you will get what is it? Here's my word. You'll get the want to. So you'll do it. Amen? Amen. Now, those who believe on Jesus Christ as their Savior will never have their sins imputed to them again. In other words, God has taken away all of that. Now, let me give you some scriptures because I want to make sure you get these. The Bible says in Psalms 32, verses 1 and 2, it says, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered by the blood of Jesus. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. Amen. Romans chapter four says this in verse four is uh, verse six. I'm sorry. It says just as David, who describes the blessedness of the man to whom God imputes righteousness apart from works. Righteousness apart from works, which is exactly what the Bible teaches us about Abraham. The Bible says, blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven, whose sins are, for are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute sin. Now, when I was saved, my sins were taken off my record. Yeah, you ain't saying that. So the Bible does not say that I receive uh, a, a, a makeover. No, he says that I was not reformed. I was not rehabilitated and I wasn't reeducated. I was recreated. And because I was recreated, everything about me was changed. Look at Colossians chapter two. The Bible says in verse six, as you have therefore received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him. If I've got it, I need to be doing it. The Bible says rooted and built up in him, established in the faith as you have been taught. As you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Now, one of the things that I say a lot and people get tired of me saying it, not in church because y'all don't pay attention to that. <laughs> but 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 I always I always tell other folks. When they asked me about this, that, or the other, and I said, stay with your training. I tell them, follow your training. Your training will not let you down. Amen. Everybody who's been in the military knows, stick with your training. Your training will not let you down. Everybody who worked at the police department with me knows, stick with your training. It will not let you down. I don't have to think about my next move because I've been trained. I know exactly what I'm going to do. Amen. As a new creature in Christ, I don't have to think about whether I should or shouldn't do that. That's not an issue. Amen. Even if my thoughts happen to, to, to drift that way, I'm going to catch myself. Mm -mm, say, no, that's not God. 
That's not God. Amen. But come on, I got to wind this up. So the Bible says the reconciling of men uh, to God by their laying aside of their, their uh, enmity against God is the consequence of laying aside his just enmity against their sin. In other words, here's what it says. Because Christ was righteous enough to die for me once for all, when he died for me, he took away my sins so that he could love me. So then if that's the case, then I should be able to love him because I can get, get past your sins. So whatever it is that you did doesn't bother me because I know that you were saved by the same Jesus that I was. Ah. So the Bible goes on to say this. It says that Christ's death provided the means of reconciliation and then his suffering made peace between God and humanity possible. So God has done everything uh, uh, needed in Christ to bring us into harmony with him. Now, keeping us in harmony with him is who we are positionally. I am in Christ. Therefore, I am a new creation. But each individual believer must choose to bring his daily life and attitude into harmony experientially with what God says. In other words, because I am a new creation, then I should start to walk, act, talk as a new creation. So what, I'm, what I am positionally in Christ, I need to walk out daily, experientially, as in Christ. Now that means that, again, if I go back to Galatians 5 and we talk about the fruit versus the works of the flesh, I should be able to apply the fruit to everything in my life when and wherever I need to. Amen. So the Bible says then Paul does this by not counting my sins. That's the first thing. He doesn't go back and say, OK, well, you know, your new creation, except no. Mm -mm. The other thing he says is he does not hold those sins against me. Then he says this. Uh, he continues to forgive and love. See, now, when I've been saved, then that means that Christ is on a continuous, eternal mission of making sure that I stay saved. Amen. That's why he sent the Holy Spirit. He said, I'll never leave you comfortless. Amen. So he's going to be with me no matter what I do. But, you know, that's why, again, another message for another couple of weeks down the road in Proverbs 16, 3. The Bible is very clear that, that we need to, to submit our thoughts and our acts and all of our stuff to God. See, because sometimes we don't know what we're supposed to do. So we submit it to him. Amen. We may not always want to do the right thing, but that's why we have prayer. That's why we have a, a, a hotline to God. So we can say, Lord, it's my desire. And then we say, Lord, what you want me to do? All right. Come on. So the Bible says this. Uh, we continue to remind, uh, he, Christ continue, continues to remind us that in Christ, every believer is called to be the righteousness of God. Amen. This is what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. It says, for he made him who uh, knew no sin to be sin for us that, uh, that we might become the righteousness of God. 
So the Bible calls this the divine exchange. The divine exchange. Christ took my sins and gave me his righteousness. He took my sins and gave me his righteousness. Amen? So the Bible says, because we believers have been reconciled to God, we have been given the task of reconciling other people to him. Now, the reason the church is in such a place today is because, one, we have people in it who don't know that they have been reconciled, they have been redeemed. So they still act like folk who are, who are yet carnal. Amen? That's why the Bible says uh, in, in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, that, that's why we bite and devour one another, because we don't know who we are. The second thing the Bible says that, that creates a problem for us is that we believe that we are exclusive in the sense that uh, God did it for me, but he just did it for me. You're going to have to figure out how to get yours. We think that whatever God did for us, he only did it for us. Amen. The same way people think that when they have a problem, they're the only person who has that problem. But the third thing is, the Bible says that when I have been redeemed, it's my job to bring people into the kingdom. I need to lead them to redemption also. The Bible says that when a man is overtaken in a fault, those who are spiritual, spiritual, should restore such a one. So, I want to close by talking to whomever is listening today. And I want to talk to you uh, about the things that I believe that we need to do to be one with Christ. I believe, first of all, I need to ask you some questions. And I'm going to ask those questions. And, 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 and if you have an answer for any of them, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make sure that when we pray, you can agree with me. And, and hopefully I'll cover your issue. Amen? First question, have you been hurt? Sure. Who in the world hadn't been in the company of more than one person that didn't get, didn't get hurt? Huh? Sometimes, watch this now, sometimes you'll buy it by yourself and hurt you. Huh? You ever stumble on a piece of furniture? Who you mad with? So yeah, everybody's been hurt. But folks say, well, you ain't supposed to be hurt in church. That's not true. That's not true. If that was the case, then Jesus would never have been killed, would he? It's not true. But the Bible says that he, he rends and he heals. Amen? So, been hurt? Mm. You ever been disrespected? Mm. Sure. Do you know who I am? <laughs> How about this? Are you tired of the insults? I'm tired of folks talking to me like that. How about this just plain, I don't like the way people talk to me. I'm trying to cover them all now. 
Do you feel like sometimes you're being treated like a child? I'm grown. Tired of people treating me like I ain't got good sense. Hmm? How about this? Do you think there are certain people that shouldn't be in charge? Well, who made so-and-so such-and-such? And I may be talking to some of you all who don't believe that women have a place in ministry. Amen. I'm praying for you, too. Amen. How about this? Well, they won't let me do what I was called to do. True. Now, this is going to hurt just a little bit, but I got to explain it to you. I don't know anybody who is a bona fide pastor who going to let you do what you were called to do in their church. No, no, no. You're going to have to do what the pastor was called to do. He has the assignment. And if you if you have a ministry, it has to come under his authority. So the fact that you want to do what you want to do tells me that you're unsubmissive. So, no, they're not going to let you do what you were quote called to do because you're not ready yet. But I'm praying for you, too. Amen. And I'm going to cover this is the, this is this is folks say the catch all. How about this? Well, I'm just fed up. Had all I can take. I'm praying for you too. Amen. So let's pray this morning. And I, 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 I we have a song that, that that's going to end this today. Uh, and, and when I finish praying, I want that want them to play that song for you because I believe the song will minister to you. Amen. So just wherever you are. Bow your heads. Close your eyes. Come on, I want you to get in the right frame of mind. I want you to get out of that bad, mean-spirited attitude, and I want you to just say, Lord, I'm ready to change. So let me pray now. Lord God, I thank you for your loving kindness toward me. Even when I did not understand all that you were doing in my life, you were always faithful. You were always needed. So I repent for my selfishness, for my haughtiness, and most of all, for my separation from your presence that was caused by my sin. Please forgive me. Today, as we affirm one another as brothers and sisters, we acknowledge that we've strayed from your purpose. We were disaffected and disobedient. We ask now that you would revive our relationships, our ministries, and our position in your kingdom. We accept and believe in the power of your grace to change our lives, and we promise to once again be open to that grace. I remember the fellowship we enjoyed together when we were first saved and we walk together. So I'm coming to you, Lord, to confess that I might have neglected my position, and so I admit my fault, my wandering away from you. I wanted to experience the pleasures of the world, 
But now, my desire is to rest in your grace once more, to breathe in the freshness of your grace and to return to your loving arms. So please, grant me that I may be reconciled to you and to the body of Christ, that great family of believers. Restore the fellowship we once enjoyed with one another. Restore the joy of our salvation and give us your peace as we endeavor to continue to do the work that you've called us to do. So we ask this in agreement with the souls of like faith. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer with me and you agreed with those things that we covered, the Bible says you can be reconciled not only back to Christ, but also back to one another. I look forward to seeing you in your kingdom attitude. God bless you and please enjoy the music.